millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Really, James Bond is coming back to the big screen in cinemas in the UK, and we're hoping to go to every one of the 25 films. Join us as we celebrate the 60th anniversary of our favourite British agents by watching them all in order. We hope you guys are watching them too, so please let us know your thoughts. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and our podcast is available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as video episodes on YouTube. Simply search for Really 007 Pod. After the excesses of Moonraker, James Bond returned to Earth, firmly with his feet on the ground, in For Your Eyes Only. For your eyes only. It's Roger Moore as Ian Fleming's James Bond 007. spy ship sunk in the Ionian Sea. She was equipped with ATAC. Have we begun a salvage operation? We asked Sir Timothy Havelock to secretly locate the wreck. He and his wife were killed by Hector Gonzalez. Police were able to identify Gonzalez by Melina, Sir Havelock's daughter. Explosive. Exclusive. Well, I trust you, Elkar. For your amazement, this bond is for you. Oh, by the way, we haven't been properly introduced, Melina. My name is Bond. James Bond. Mr. Bond, you have shot your last boat. We're not dead yet. Good afternoon, Mr. Bond. You are now flying under remote control. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. I am the Countess Lisa von Schlaff. 
Why not come in for a bite? For your eyes only can see me through the night. This bond is for your eyes only. No one comes close to 007. When 007 comes close to you, Seems like you're in a very excited mood to see Few Eyes Only, John, in the cinema. You've spent all your day with running around, with children running around you. Um, Two hours of classic Roger is the perfect remedy, isn't it, really? It is, yeah. And for, in the UK, I mean, not only do we have this at the cinema, unlike anywhere else in the world, as far as we know, but we've got it on ITV at eight, so they're pretty much on at exactly the same time, which is a bit weird, isn't it? But I don't know whether that's, you know, crosshairs or something, I don't know. I don't know, it's a bit, it's a bit strange. And obviously Moonraker was on last Sunday, wasn't yeah. it? So, again, the same sort of time. But to be honest, I'm just, um, I'm really pleased that they're putting a James Bond film from 1981 on primetime ITV. I know that's not quite the same, you know, big know, event Saturday night that it might yeah, used to have been, but it's still worth, still worth saying. It is, it's and, a big thing. You know, I do. I have got a real soft spot for this film because I do think, and uh, you know, I know we discussed whether it's underrated. Whether some like Olivier Giroud, when everyone says he's underrated, yeah. does that mean they're no? But I just don't think anyone would ever put this in their top five, or maybe not many people would put it in the top ten. No, no. I don't think it particularly gets spoken about much. No. And yet it's the first John Glenn film. Yeah. You know, it is a bit of a bit of a gear change from Moonraker. Yeah. And a lot of the, the Fleming. The, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, we don't want there's, it. There's loads of brilliant set pieces and stunts. And, oh. you know, it's just, it's just brilliant. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I know that you you, you push the agenda that I hate this film, <laughs> which is rubbish. But you know, I I am looking forward to it. It's incredibly stripped back, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's just a race to see who can get a machine first in it. And, and Christatos isn't particularly like an awful villain or anything of the sort. He's just a guy who, who's yeah. selling off a yeah. thing, isn't it? It's totally different it's from Drax, isn't it? It's such a different kind yeah. of film. And it is very understated because of that. It's John Glenn's first film. That's a very, very important thing. And I'm, I know I'm biased, but having had a bit of mm. chat and contact with John Marino recently, and understanding his perspective on playing the one yeah. Luigi Ferrara on the film, I'm actually really looking forward to watching it again with fresh oh. eyes on a big screen and yeah. all the rest of it. And it's, you know, it's for all the stick what everyone will give it, but watching James Bond on the big screen and you yeah. just can't beat that. That's just, that's, that's the dream. It is amazing, isn't it's it? It's the dream, yeah. you know? I mean, we didn't mention in the Moonraker that the viewing that we watched, it was, the pitch was excellent, but it was fairly quiet, the yes. sound, wasn't it? Yeah. Maybe that's because there's so many loud noises yeah. later that they have to, you know, the well, overall sound has to go lower. I think, I think I said my viewing of The Spy Who Loved Me here, there was a lot of loud noises and... and right. It, it was, in a good way. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The explosions and, and I think I said, you know, when Jaws appears out the closet. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, that was so loud. But, yeah, I mean... Oh, Honestly, I just keep thinking about like a drive in the country, as in the scene, and you know, just all the different. The, you know, the 
finale on the, the mountain. Oh, oh goodness me. Yeah. Rick Sylvester. I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be brilliant. But is it like the plot and why everyone's doing everything? Is, it is good, but it's not really the reason why people like this film, is it? No. It's secondary, really. No, it's got... But it, there's so many good... I mean, you've got your set pieces. Um, you've got... What's-his-face played by Tapal, who's probably... Yeah, Columbo. Yeah. Columbo great ally, isn't he? One of the best allies yeah. in the whole series, yeah. you know. Is it, it's the only... It, as far as I can think, it's the only Roger film where he plays poker or casino... Who goes to a casino. Yeah, yeah. It is the only don't one associate that, that, that with like... Yeah. Fleming kind of thing about it. <laughs> yeah. And it is, isn't it, you know, like that? It is, yeah. Um, the, the dynamic of Christatos, how you think Christatos is an ally for a long time, and that's it's so different from anything yeah. that's coming. There's lots to love. Yeah. And Melina's story and her yeah. You know, revenge and everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's just pretty, pretty out on its own in some ways. Good character. Yeah. Dave, I mean, I've no idea what you think of Fiora's illness, so this, this could be anything, I've no idea. Neither have I, really. Oh, all right, well. No, I, I, reckon, I was thinking today, I reckon it's one of the Bond films I've seen the least. Yeah, OK. Um, so, and obviously, it's just very exciting to see uh, John Marino do a lesser version oh, yeah. of what he did <laughs> yeah, with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we both hammed it up for our version, yeah. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. And I, I think middle Rodge is usually, you know, he's, he's peaking at this point. It point, is, yeah. It? I, we said Moonraker last week. It's, it's probably the funniest him most at ease performance but this is this is different but he's so he's still so likeable I think yeah. he's, he's very paternal in this film yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. to the late the young ladies yeah, yeah, yeah. he is I mean it, it is the autumnal Roger and you, you know that because the, the hair is now combed backwards yeah. from yeah, the film yeah, is this one of the ones where he does the gorgeous like you know the jacket is a different colour to the pants. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I love yeah, that. Yeah. That's prime Roger. Yeah, and the skiing doesn't get mentioned much, but it's Partridge's picture. You know the frame. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, and gorgeous. I've got it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gorgeous theme tune as well. Yeah, oh, well, very good. Really? Again, it. I didn't know you were a massive yeah. fan. It's one of these where it was very successful, very popular was at the time, but you never really hear people go because it's a ballad and it's. It's dated a bit, isn't it? It's a very sweet song. Yeah, and it's in the score. I think I love the yeah. bits of it in the score. We discussed that in our songbook episode with Sam, who we'll see soon. Yeah. We'll yeah. see very soon. Yeah. But we will now head into this auditorium. We could make it last all night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very good. Hey, it's Sam. I'm just walking to The View in Berry today. I'm watching Feel Rise Only with some of the really double seven guys. I'm looking forward to this. It's a new set of films with John Glenn taking the role of director this time, so it'll be interesting to see how all of these films look on the big screen. Particularly looking forward to some of the locations in this one, I think especially where the Citroen 2CV is involved. That's probably one of my favourite scenes from the film, and probably one of my favourite pieces of music from the film, Bill Conti. I'm looking forward to hearing this on massive surround sound. And yeah, just another Roger Moore that, you know, I do enjoy. This is probably one of my least favourites of his era, and it's not because I don't like it at all, it's just because the others have been so great and I adore Roger's first four Bond films quite a lot, so, and the next two, while still being good, are just not my favourites. Yeah, very excited for this one, and to, and to watch with the guys as well, and I'm sure we'll all speak to you a little bit later. Hey everyone, that guy Sai and November Man here. Tickets booked for your eyes only on Tuesday. I've got vivid memories of watching this on VHS as a kid. 
remember for a long time not having all the films. I would only get two or so for a birthday or Christmas, so it took some time before I had them all, which meant the ones I did have would be watched a lot or I would take the others off the TV. I've always rated this. I just take the 80s Roger much more than I do the 70s. This is a rather grounded affair, but has some top-tier action sequences, so couldn't pass up a showing at the cinema. And I'm taking Mum along as well, as she likes Roger. Who doesn't? I'll report back after I see you on Tuesday. Hello, this is Gary Kay at the Odeon Cinema in Bath. Just about to go in to watch For Your Eyes Only. Looking forward to being entertained with another excellent Roger Moore James Bond film. Very much looking forward to hearing the Bill Conti score, which is a bit of a nostalgia thing for me. It takes me back to the early 1980s hearing that. This is the first Bond film I ever saw on video rental back in the 80s. Um, first film I ever watched from beginning to end. Got me hooked. Looking forward to seeing the skiing sequences in this film. Always enjoy those in a Bond film. And really loved the pre-title sequence with the helicopter in the um, old Docklands area of London. Anyway, time to go in now and uh, catch up with you later. You're fading from my picture, Mr. Bond. But the end cannot be far away. Hi guys, this is Liam and I've just been to see For Your Eyes Only at View Cinemas in Hartlepool. I've been to a number of these showings now, started with Thunderball and right the way through since then. This is the first time I've sent in my thoughts and it was fantastic. Quite a fun, fun showing. A lot of the moments really brought about the tension of the film. Certainly the rock climbing scene at the end, absolutely spectacular. It looked fantastic and best words that I saw upon screen, directed by John Glenn. Thanks guys. Hi, my name's Sid Child. I worked on James Bond on For Your Eyes Only. You're listening to Really 007, and I hope you enjoy the programme. Hello, Darren Bithell again with my take on Fio. Dude, bro. For Your Eyes Only is one of the UK's leading gentlemen's club brands and is celebrating 20 years at the top of the industry. For Your Eyes Only is the number one choice for lap dancing. And I couldn't find anything else as the web blocked me for some strange reason. Yeah, okay, let's get serious. Which to a certain extent is what Cubby Broccoli and now Michael G. Wilson thought after the excesses and successes of Moonraker. That film was a one-off, and back Bond came down to earth more towards the Fleming ethos. What also spurred this decision on was the fact that United Artists were watching the pennies after the Heaven's Gate fiasco. There were changes in the main seats of creation also. Wilson now became co-script writer with Richard Maybaum, returning after a film sabbatical and with, I imagine, extra vitriol in his pen given what he thought of Moonraker. John Glenn finally sat in the chair and started his decade directing Bondage. Like Glenn, Peter Lamont finally got his chance after working through the ranks to become production designer, bringing a more realistic style to the sets. And Bill Conti becomes the fourth non-Barry Bond composer to bring his Herb Alpert-esque synthesised sound to the proceedings or John Barry was hiding from the taxman again. The overall result is that For Your Eyes Only is one of the best James Bond films in my humble opinion, and always has a place in my top ten. It's clear that this film was modelled towards the possibility of a new Bond entering the fray, given the pre-title sequence referring to Tracy, 
and the bald man who we can't name. If Roger Moore hadn't returned as 007, I can only imagine Lewis Collins being the perfect fit to make his debut as Bond in this film. You can't really imagine him in Octopussy, can you? If only he hadn't made the Mafia references during his interview. Perhaps he provided the line I can buy you a delicatessen in stainless steel. For years I thought I misheard that line and it was such a relief that I didn't need a deep syringing. Well, not of the years anyway. This film is known for being bookended with one of the weirdest beginnings and conclusions in the series. After my favourite gun barrel of the Moore era, the pre-titles we all know is a two-fingered salute from Broccoli to McClory, but I just love it for its wackiness. Martin Grace hanging off a remote-controlled helicopter overdubbed with OTT hysterical laughter that you couldn't imagine Donald, Telly or even Charles could muster, completed by dropping a paraplegic down the chimney that Fred Dibner would have loved to have got his mitts on. It's just great. The Thatcher ending is very surplus to requirements, but I still find it funny, especially when Dennis, his hand is smacked for fondling his sprouts. Er, uh, the sprouts. I wonder who the voice of Max was, who provided one of the most questionable plot devices in any movie when declaring St. Cyril's when the ATAC is mentioned. I mean, I'm not insulting the intelligence of parrots, but... Mm. This film again proves the point that Roger Moore does need to be pushed out of his comfort zone, and after the too cosy affair of Moonraker, he's being put to his limits in this film and all the better for it. Spy is his best Bond performance, but this is his best Fleming Bond performance. However, this is the film in which the question of his age does start to rear its head, not mainly for the stunts, yet, but for the chemistry he has with Carol Bouquet as Melina. She plays the character very well, but the relationship with Bond does not justify the moonlight swim at the end of the movie. Topol is wonderful as Columbo, a masterstroke of casting by Dana Broccoli during a chance meeting at a party they both attended. He's right up there with Kevin Bay and Draco as my favourite allies, all with the connection of being lovable rogues with a heart of gold. Julian Glover gets a bum rap from Bond fans, I think, as Christatos, because I think he's being unfairly compared to the mad megalomaniacs of the series, who had to have a scene-chewing speech to declare his intention to destroy the world. Christatos was always intended to be a more grounded villain, without the need of fanfares and murdering gestures, and is excellent in this film. It took me pretty recently to get the BB doll name joke, and it'll probably take a lot longer to understand why some Bond fans find the character irritating. I don't think she outstays her welcome at all. The henchmen are maybe a little on the eh, side, all due to really adopting the Locke approach. Locke is an effective henchman, obviously shown with the vengeance Bond acts upon him kicking his car off the cliff for the deaths of Ferrar and Countess Liesel. His smile before he runs Liesel down is very effective as his Bond's goodbye to her. And while all this was going on, a young Irish actor was in the distance taking notes. It would have been nice if Bernard Lee had made an appearance in this film, having one of the funniest lines after Bond declaring his sins, but hey-ho. Instead, good old Desmond has that honour, and added to the funny scene he has with Bond using the identigraph. Funny now for how dated it looks and not just for the badinage. James Villiers is fine as Tanner, I think, although he's more Downton Abbey than John le Carré. And what a missed opportunity Ferrara was. I think with more development, he would have been one of the favourite allies in the series, and after watching his interview with the guys last week, when he noted of scenes cut from the final script, I really felt for John Moreno, who's a very entertaining chap. Like Moonraker, my excitement was piqued in seeing this on the big screen for the first time, more so when I saw this at View Leicester Square on Saturday. Okay, it wasn't the Odeon Leicester Square, but I couldn't help but remember those royal premiere shows Thames TV made during the 80s, 
even watching a few clips of those shows on YouTube in prep for the screening. No, I didn't imagine meeting Judith Chalmers or the other bloke who looked like a young Paul McCartney in the foyer. And no, we didn't travel to Leicester Square just to see for your eyes only. It was originally a date for us to see the Foo Fighters at Wembley Stadium, R.I.P. Taylor. So this was an entertaining alternative, I told my dearest wife. The view in Leicester Square certainly didn't have the class of the Odeon. In fact, the screening took place in what felt like a basement cinema in which there was a time you could imagine a lot of men wearing raincoats. The slightly seedy nature of the screening's geography was further emphasised by a couple of gentlemen lacking the lynx effect of row in front of my wife and I. The screen itself wasn't the largest, but it was enough to feel the effect of Sheena Easton's lips. No wonder Murray Spinder developed a soft spot for her. Having just come back from View Cheshire Oaks to see Millions 2, which is very funny indeed by the way, I've realised how much I've missed the screenings there, which are bigger than the venues I've seen the last three Bond screenings I've attended, and I can't help but think I've missed a trick. But hey, I had my reasons, one of which was driving a DB5 replica and a V8 Vantage, but that's another story. This Bond film always seems to sit middle to lower tier amongst Bond fans' lists, and I can't really understand why. Some say it's too slow and bland, others say it's too long. Are they getting confused with Thunderball? There may be a case that the ski chase and the submarine battle with the Mantis Man are a little bit long, but it's excusable as it's John Glenn's first film, and like all those who have waited long enough for their turn, they want to savour every moment before a self-awareness filter is developed. Even though I didn't get the wow factors of the Bonds on the big screen, For Your Eyes Only is still a blast, everything virtually hitting its target. The sensorial sequence is still a great, suspenseful, low-key alternative to the Gilbert crescendo climaxes, thanks to Rick Sylvester again. I love the Conti score, and it's a soundtrack I listen to often, even if it hasn't aged as well as the others. And that includes the incidental song by Rage, which lyrical content would make even Serge Gainsbourg and Holly Johnson blush. If you want to hear one of the funniest recitals of those lyrics, find the Smirshpod episode of For Eyes Only, in which Paul Litchfield performs the song in the style of Alan Bennett. As said before, these screenings won't change my film placings, and even if the experience of seeing this for the first time didn't quite hit expectations, For Eyes Only is still a tight, edgy thriller close to the Fleming traditions, yet still with a healthy mixture of tongue-in-cheek. It did well at the box office, and it looked as though this was to be Roger Swan's song as 007, but it turned out to be a case of never say never, and what came next started everything for me, and I wouldn't be here entertaining you all without it. As if that film doesn't get enough of a beating. All the best, guys. Are you all right? I'm fine. Really. You're going back to your father's ship? Yes, I'm continuing his work. But this business is still unfinished. What business? The man who paid, Gonzalez. The Chinese have a saying. Before setting out on revenge, you first dig two graves. I don't expect you to understand. You're English, but I'm half Greek. And Greek women like Electra always avenge their loved ones. I must go. Hey everyone, that guy Sai and the Bember Man here. So there we have it, finally seen for your eyes only on the big screen. My favourite Roger outing was 007. Almost a full house I'd say. Been a few weeks since I've seen Eleven Light Die, beginning to recognise some familiar faces at these showings. The first thing I notice immediately with this compared to Windbreaker is that it just feels that more modern in the last few 70s outings. Aware it's only been two years between feels on point. 
of the bond to stay on beyond the original decade. Roger's transition is seamless. Do you rate pre-title? I certainly do. Funny how the film bookends with the silly, but it works. It's Roger, isn't it? Things I like most about the song? The action. Oh wow. Most definitely the best from Roger's tenure, but I'd argue some of the best from the franchise. I didn't feel like a spectator. Some other action sorts, but up close and personal. John Glenn's direction sublime. What a debut. Bill Conti, that music. It's love or hate, but I love it. Of the non-Barry soundtracks, it's a favourite. An Olympic disco vibe. Perfect. But something I did notice, some scenes had no music. Just the sound of what was going on, a little dialogue. Really dialed up attention. The only thing that people might not like is the in-between action sequences that can slow the film down. I like it, but with the action so good and so frequent, it rains things in and might mix the pacing. The finale with the rock climbing there's no biting stuff, but once in the monastery, it does fall flat, but it's over pretty quick. Watching Colombo and Cristratos roll about the floor with the ATAC could be compared to two dads fighting over the last beer at a barbecue. That aside, all in though, terrific cast I'd say. The not jumping Columbo character, my favourite. It's peak Roger for me, and I would have been happy had he called it a day on this one. But we'll see if it's his ever charming ways twice more. Last thing, when the film finished, I noticed one audience member had a Spectre t-shirt. I'd sooner wear a Die Another Day t-shirt, but a fan's a fan. Next up for me, the Dalton. Action! This is John Glenn. You're listening to Really <coughs> 007 Podcast. here, popping in for some quick thoughts on For Your Eyes Only. This time, sadly, I did not get to see the film at the cinema, though I did watch it at home twice to consolidate my views. So, after the massively fantastical tone of Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only is well remembered as the film that brought Bond back down to earth, so to speak. Thing is, this particular Roger film has never really been one that I've connected with too much. Don't get me wrong, I do genuinely enjoy it, but it's not one of my favourite Roger Moore Bond films, and nor is it that high in my rankings. I suppose that's largely because it is more low-key than the big fantasy epics that I tend to watch much more often. I don't particularly rate the likes of Julian Glover's Christatus as a great villain, simply because he doesn't get enough showcasing as a villain due to the bait-and-switch nature of him and Columbo in the plot. At least Columbo is a fun ally containing the same sort of charm that made Kirin Bay so likeable in From Russia With Love. Also, while the rock climbing sequence at the end is very impressive, the rest of the climax falls rather flat for me. The henchman Eric Kriegler is not only dispatched of far too easily for my liking, but Christantus' death also manages to feel like an anticlimax. I would have at least appreciated the fight scene between Bond and Christantos, also, I'm not entirely sure what to make of Melina Havelock, since she's never been a favourite of mine. Carol Bouquet, though dubbed, she does give a decent performance. I just find her less memorable than other women in the Bond series. Still, on recent rewatches, I have gained a little more appreciation for this film's strengths. When you treat this as if it's a Fleming-esque Bond adventure brought to life on the screen, then it holds up much better. After all, a good deal of plot points were borrowed from some of Fleming's short stories, and the way the overall story unfolds I can easily imagine making for some great end of chapter moments with Fleming's fantastic writing. Naturally, the film still adds some of its own cinematic Bondian elements, 
and as a package, it really benefits from John Glenn's direction. He's always been particularly strong with constructing thrilling action sequences. I mean, look at all his second unit work from before. So the car chase and the ski chases don't disappoint at all. They're certainly where the film peaks for me. Finally, I'll give a shout out once again to Roger Moore. I still stand by what I said about his performance in The Spy Love Me being the better one, thanks to in what I believe to be a more natural balance of the different aspects of his bond. Nevertheless, this film is yet again proof of his ability to play a more hard-edged bond when the story calls for it, and it's exactly that kind of hard edge that I think serves him well in parts of his last two films. I look forward to hopefully rejoining you all with my thoughts on Octopussy at the cinema, since that is my second favourite of Roger's tenure as Bond. Now describe the person you wish to identify, and I'll programme the information. Male Caucasian. Late 30s. Hair, fine, light brown. That's it. Parted in the middle. Yeah, wait a minute. Right. Eyes. A little smaller. Uh-huh. Blue. Right. A little grayer. Yeah. That's it. You have it. Now, nose. A nose, not a banana cue. I'm sorry. Stop. Lips fuller. Uh-huh. Whoops. No, no, no. Mouth wider. Uh-huh. Good. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon. If you could go, I'll lock up. I reckon we're almost there to you, apart from glasses. Steel rimmed. Yep. Octagonal. Octagonal. That's him. That's our man. For your eyes only, 41 years since I saw it the first time, which doesn't sound, it sounds terrible. If I say, when I saw it back in 1981, it doesn't sound that bad. But 41 <laughs> years ago, when I was nine, I saw this film. It changed my life then. It hasn't really changed, to be fair. It's still fabulous. It looks really good on the big screen. Mm. I have seen it a number of times on the big screen. There weren't many people in there this evening. It was fairly sparse, wasn't it? Uh, there weren't many people in there this evening. In fact, there's only two of us. Yes. Because um, it feels like a Genesis album, and then there were two. <laughs> <laughs> there were two. Yeah. They're dropping like flies, you know. Oh. Uh, so Chris can't make it, and Bob's got the lurgy. Yes. So it's just uh, the two of us keeping the British end up this evening. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, there are a number of. I mean, I, we had a bit of a chat about this earlier, mm. and the way in which the set pieces really work mm. and the way that Bill Conti's score really works Absolutely. as well I think is very impressive um, uh, I don't know whether a, well, a lot of people like the score but they, they maybe say it's a bit too disco-y and a bit too of its time I love it you know? but I think it's magnificent I it. and I really do think there's a number of great cues along Absolutely. the way which work when I saw this film I said this to you earlier but when I saw this film when I was nine I decided I wanted to be Roger Moore, not James Bond. I wanted to be Roger Moore. And my mother asked me at, at the time, what, have, what, do you want, what, what are you going to ask uh, Father Christmas for? And I remember vividly saying, a blazer. 
I remember saying that because I saw, and he looks magnificent in that blazer. He does. I do. I know. I now own a blazer. A long time uh, having waited. And I'm, I say, Father Christmas, a bit slow on the uptake. If the truth be known, <laughs> but he looks magnificent. His hair. Yes. But he's gone full circle, which I think is magnificent. Yes. I like he's back that. Back to the saints. He's back he? to the saints. Yes. Uh, and it's the same hairdresser that he's had for a long time Mike Jones I think is his hairdresser right, yeah, yeah. he's had Mike Jones for a long long time and they've gone the full circle I think he looks really really very very well yes he's certainly channeling Simon Templar most definitely um, and you know what I disagree when people say he's starting to look old I mean fair enough he was 51 or he just turned into his uh, sixth yeah, decade and right. honestly but he doesn't look old no. The only one, the only appearance where I feel he's starting to actually look considerably older is A View to a Kill, which is ironic. But yes. we'll, get, we'll get to that when we see that film. But I think he's, I think Dear Roger is superb. We'll get it right this time, Dear Roger. <laughs> um, Dear Roger. But no, I, I mean, I saw this film, the last time I saw this on the big screen was five years ago in remembrance of uh, Sir That Roger. was the first time you saw it. I was here. Yes. So we, we've, it's come full we've circle come full again. Circle There's a lot of full done. circles in um, full relating circles to this film tonight. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed tonight, and especially in 4K. I mean, we're really starting to notice the difference now, aren't we? Now yeah. we're making that transition into the later films yeah. and into the 80s. Yeah. I didn't think I'd spot as much in the later movies as maybe... I did in the earlier films because mm. I never, never, obviously never saw the earlier films on mm. the big screen. Have from everything from Fiora's only onwards. Now I have seen, mm. and I'd never noticed it before. We literally just talked about it a few moments ago. The yes. earliest <laughs> moment, and I thought, strange, what's that? So it's the St George's straight after the main titles. It's the St George's. The guy finishes his smoke, goes downstairs, says to the bloke, "Oh, they're bringing the nets in." Yeah. And the line, oh, fish for supper again then, just disappeared. Yeah. Just randomly disappeared. And I thought, did he miss it? Did I miss it? Yeah. But then you said to me that it's almost, it's not available, or, or it sounds like the sound <laughs> disappears on the DVD I, as yeah, well. Yeah, I've noticed this before. I've I mean, for, for the benefit of the listeners, no, if you listen to the, I'm sure if it's the, I'm not sure if it's the DVD or the VHS release, but one of them. Right. It completely obliterates the line at all. Is that right? So oh. it's um, it's a strange one that, but you know it's coming. And even if it doesn't, then well, you, can still, it. you can still go along with it. I knew it was that. That was reason why, because in my head I said the line, and nobody else said the line. The two bits, that, the two bits that I noticed early on in this film. Mm. Firstly, was the gun barrel. Now we're going to get ahead of ourselves again, ever so slightly here. Sam Mendes. He deliberately did not put the gun barrel at the beginning because he didn't feel that it worked with Daniel Craig stepping into shot. You see Bond and the gun barrel, boom, Bond's in shot. You watch for your eyes only, the gun barrel comes across, it opens, it disappears, and who's in the middle of the gun barrel? It's Roger Moore walking towards the camera, albeit from a distance. It works. So, I'm sorry, Sam, Mr. Mendes, I can't agree with you on Mendes, that Mendes, pack it in, son, don't mess about. If you it know, ain't broke, don't If it ain't it. broke, don't change it. But the, right. the other bit I noticed, which was quite amusing, was the, the cat. The cat, you can hear its purrs on this, uh, oh, this yeah. showing, and I, I never noticed that before. No, no. It's uh, the sound again, so the sound quality was, um, was excellent. The sound was excellent. Apart from fish for supper. Fish, that's right. But that, those... Mar, I mean, really, the action scenes are terrific, and I, 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 I may have said this before, but I was, I was lucky enough to uh, to watch this with John Glenn, and mm-hmm. we uh, had a chat afterwards, and I said to him, look, the the, th- the thing I like very much about this is you take Bond out of it, 
Mm. It still works as a thriller. If you put another Absolutely. character in that, yeah. it does. Yeah. Whereas the other ones kind of rely on it. And here, apart from the um, you know the, the the gadgets on the car, we don't really see. Absolutely. Don't play with any of the switches, he says to Luigi. But you don't see what they do. Yeah. We saw what happened when Bob Simmons tried to break into it <laughs> earlier. It blew the other one up. It does. And there's the identograph. But apart from that. It's it's very mm-hmm. Majesty's in that regard. Yeah. It's and, and again, there's that hark back to Tracy at the yeah. beginning as well. And I like that. As other podcasters have discussed, it's nice that they reference it with this film rather than try to obliterate it as they did with Diamonds. That's right. Which, yes, which like it doesn't which, exist at all. Absolutely. So I, I, I like that. It's, it's a nice hark back to to Majesty's, and it reaffirms the fact that. Bond is one character, none of this code name malarkey. Well, he, he, yes, is, one, that's right. he is one character. And I, think I think so. I think so. Anyway, I, I'd, I'd forgotten how fabulous Frederick Gray is in this. Oh yes. Uh, how many times does he say? Mm. Mm. He just sort of grunts. <laughs> we've decided to cut down the amount of lines you're having this time, Jeffrey. And we've just decided to give you a couple of noises. Yes. Oh, okay. And he yeah. he delivers them beautifully. He does. Serial grunter. A serial grunter. A star. The other thing watching this on the big screen, John, is the fact that. I didn't realise just how many bloody good action scenes there are. It, 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 it's, it's relentless, but not, not in an overpowering way. It's no. one after the other. So you've got one scene, and then suddenly you'll have a breather. Another scene, a breather. Yeah. And it, just watching it again tonight, I realised how much it flowed. It, it's, it's beautiful. There's a couple of very interesting moments. I mean, obviously, apart from... The, there's the, the use of back projection in this movie is quite interesting, too. Because yes. this really was the first time that I wasn't... Per- particularly aware of the back projection. Yeah. For instance, the pre-title when Roger's hanging onto the skid of the plane, uh, the helicopter. You don't, do you? You don't really notice it as, as much. And and, then, and also, just for those people who don't know, but that's Martin Grace up there doing all of the stuff, hanging on the thing. No wires. There's no wires there. Yeah. That's a handhold. He's not being, He's no. He's not wired on. There's nothing of that at all. That's absolutely spectacular. But also, later on, of course, the underwater stuff is, is incredible. And the fact that, obviously, a, a huge amount of the underwater stuff that is involved with Roger and Carol is in a soundstage. I know. This, this, it looks superb. It looks magnificent. Yeah. But the other thing I spotted, which I hadn't really spotted before, I, 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 maybe, I don't know why I hadn't spotted it before, but in the um, the horse-drawn carriage, mm. right, so he's caught up with her and they've got into the horse-drawn carriage and they're off, so there is location footage of the two of them and then there is studio footage yes. during the conversation. Yeah. And it flicks between the two, and I'd never really spotted it before. And the background there is moving lovely, and it, it's 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 a very uh, they've really really up the ante a bit, yeah. you know. I mean, the, the effects with Moonraker, I think, really transformed. Well, it was huge, wasn't it? So they um, uh, this is much much smaller, in, yeah, in, uh, in comparison. But comparison. obviously, the eighties is where I, I feel the Bond films really start to come into mm. their own effects wise. Certainly, um, it's interesting as well. You know, the other scene I noticed um, again the beauty of seeing this on the big screen when. He drops his gun in the chase and Kriegler's trying to oh, yeah. shoot it. If you look closely, you can see the wire which pulls the gun away <laughs> as the little explosion the beauty of 4G. erupts. But uh, yes, now honestly, the the print of this film has been. Um, I'm very impressed. Yeah, now all the all these 4K prints have been spectacular. The the uh, the imagery is lovely. Greece looks magnificent. Yeah. Um, the Cortina looks amazing. When he walks out, I well, I actually took a sharp intake of breath because when he walks out. Mm. Onto his uh, his balcony in his know, hotel yes. room. And go, yeah. oh, wow! Look at that! It looks amazing. 
and, you, and oh, the score to that uh, as he arrives in Cortina. Yep. Again, like we said before, uh, prior to the film, honestly, the the slower paced. Uh, musical cues are just as fantastic as the faster pace yeah, ones. Yeah, I, I think that we we were talking about this earlier. Mm. We, we we said about the way that um, John Barry sort of cornered the market as far as the march was yes, concerned for yes. the action cue. So Moonraker, there's a march. There's a bit of Bond theme thrown in for good measure, but it's mostly a march. Yep. The same with Octopussy and A View to a Kill, and yet here, you know, we've got full-on synthesizers, electric guitars, you know, the whole nine yards. Magnificent. And, of course, make it last all night. Yes. Which, oh, God. Uh, uh, you yes. know, Absolutely. why did that never chart? That's yep. the question. Uh, but uh, really, really enjoyed that. No, that was absolutely. spectacular. It's been um, it's been a thorough enjoyment, a feast for my eyes. A feast for my eyes. But what about um, the rest of you? And what about the mail? <laughs> yes, let's not go into that just at the present time. <laughs> So uh, maybe next time we will be uh, a full team again because, uh, say, we're down two players at the moment. So, uh, what is our next one altogether? Because um, I'm, I'm seeing Octopussy in London and View to a Kill, well, wherever. Yeah, so, I, I'm doing, I'm doing Octopussy here, and hopefully View to a Kill here. That's the plan. Maybe daylights then. Daylights. So it could be daylights then if you're. Well, if you haven't seen it yet, hurry up. So uh, you'll need to see this quite quickly and enjoy it, and we'll catch up with you all again next time. Take care, folks. My father loves the view from here. I can see why. We came here often. Is Corfu your home? No. My real home's always been the Triana, the Greek islands, Turkey, North Africa, wherever my father's work took us. Did he leave any notes? They could help us. No, I don't think so. To tell the truth, I haven't had the courage to go into his study since. Try not to think about it now. I'm meeting a man tonight at the casino who may give us a lead. Philip Deathless from Cinecompass gave us his thoughts on For Your Eyes Only. Hi guys. It was my second time this year already seeing For Your Eyes Only on the big screen. I guess I'm a lucky Londoner. And it remains one of my absolute favorite Bond films. I think the story is just great. It's a very original Cold War spy story. And I love how they included the Fleming elements. Not just from the short story For Your Eyes Only, of course, but also from Live and Let Die, when Bond and Melina are being dragged behind that boat. I think it has some of the best and most original action scenes ever in a Bond film. Even the car chase with the Citroen, where there's so many little things happening happening the people pushing the car bond driving backwards it's just so much fun and then most of all the motorcycle ski chase in cortina that's one of the most spectacular action scenes ever i think and i want to see more of that again in future bond films not just your average car chase or fist fight if you know what i mean if there's anything I would criticize, it's that the pace of the film slows down a bit after about 70 minutes. But still, those scenes are very original and so much fun. And the other thing is that the comic relief with Bibi is maybe a bit over the top, given that For Your Eyes Only is Roger's most serious Bond film. I thought it was a bit too much. However, I do enjoy the Thatcher scenes at the end, though. And both times I went to the cinema now, people gave it a laugh at the end. I like the range of characters. Columbo is probably my favorite ally. Christatos is a charismatic villain and Kriegler is an excellent henchman. The locations are fantastic too, especially Corfu. I visited the island a few years ago and checked out some of the filming locations and it's just beautiful, which, which you can see in the film. gives it a bit of a vacation vibe, I think. I always like to see nice and, and exotic locations in Bond films, of course. And uh, yeah, Corfu is just beautiful. 
Oh, and I shouldn't forget the music. Bukonti's soundtrack is fantastic. A drive in the country. That's one of the greatest instrumental Bond tracks ever, if you ask me. And even make it last all night. That's so much fun, isn't it? So I had a blast seeing this film on the big screen and I would do it again in a heartbeat if, if it's on again. But who knows when that will happen. Trevor Baxendale here. What a tonic that was after a touch of the old COVID. Roger Moore is the ultimate feel-good Bond. And even in this, his grittiest and most down-to-earth acting. One of the biggest joys of the Bond series is the variety in styles and approaches, and none more so than in Roger Moore's films. To go from Moonraker to For Your Eyes Only is not only a mind-boggling turnaround in attitude, but as good a way of any as keeping a long-running series fresh and ready for more. Roger Moore. He doesn't get older with each film, just better. this with Ferrara, I believe. Hello, this is Gary Kay. Just been to see For Your Eyes Only at the Odeon in Bath. As with all of Roger's Bond films, had a thoroughly entertaining time. I did actually see the film on the big screen for the first time a couple, two or three months back at the Prince Charles Cinema in London. And um, I have to say, on that occasion, being the very first time I'd seen it at the cinema, I was absolutely blown away by how much better Fear Eyes Only is on the big screen compared to watching it at home on a television. The film, to be honest, is one that I don't go back to watch as often as I used to these days primarily because it lacks the larger-than-life eccentric villains that you get in the likes of Goldfinger, Spy Love Me and Moonraker, which I personally prefer. Although, if you prefer the more down-to-earth villains, then Christatos ticks that box most definitely. And that's the great thing about these James Bond films, is that there's something for everybody with these films. It was interesting watching Fear Eyes Only for a second time this year on the big screen, observing the impact of Bill Conti's score through the film. One thing that did strike me when watching it again was that I did feel that his score, out of all of the scores for the Connery and Roger Moore era of Bond, has dated probably the most, and I know others have said that, um, but for some reason that struck me more. Well, I'm at home listening to it on a CD, absolutely love it, um, and I like the nostalgia vibe of it, but just within the context of the film, there are a couple of moments where it jarred for me, particularly the way in which the Runaway track, which I absolutely love listening to at home normally, uh, it just felt intrusive, um, the way it just suddenly started up uh, in the scene. And if I just think back to the way in which John Barry dealt with similar scenes on Majesty's Secret Service, the way in which the track started up for that particular film just seemed flawless. One track that I do think works particularly well within For Your Eyes Only is the ski 
shoots jump track, which works incredibly well within the film. Um, it's the one with the sound of the very strong echoey piano, uh, which just seems to add an awful lot of atmosphere for and tension to those particular moments in the film, particularly the moments in the ski lift with the other villains all on their way to the ski jump, with Bond seemingly trapped there. I thought the title song uh, with Sheena Easton singing was significantly better hearing that through the cinema sound system than listening to it at home. Things that I most enjoyed about For Your Eyes Only has to be Roger Moore's superb performance yet again, although uh, the amount of humour that he has in the film has been greatly toned down, which is a little bit of a shame because obviously that's one of Roger's strengths. However, the dramatic scenes that he gets in the film are very, very um, well performed by Roger. Uh, the sequences with um, the Countess Liesel uh, are ultimately very, very touching the way in which Roger plays the part. And I thought the chemistry between Roger and Cassandra Harris um, as the Countess were particularly strong scenes. It's a shame, really, that she wasn't playing the lead in the film because I thought the chemistry between those two characters was greater than between Roger's Bond and Carol Bouquet's Melina Havelock. There are some great action sequences in Fear Eyes Only, some fantastic set pieces. The pre-title sequence with the helicopter flying through the Docklands looked absolutely amazing on the big screen. Superbly realised sequence, some great stunt work again. Uh, it was lovely as well seeing Roger with the twinkle in his eye as he was dealing with um, Blofeld and um, dispatching him down that chimney. As I mentioned, the ski sequences are very, very memorable in Fear Eyes Only. Cortina, the, the Cortina sequences just look ge generally stunning. They just look beautiful um, on the big screen. The amount of detail that you pick up when you're seeing it at the cinema compared to at home on the television, significantly better on the big screen. The stunt work in the Cortina sequences for the ski chase sequence with the motorbikes and Roger's Bond stunt double on skis going down the bobsleigh run just looks superb on the big screen. Certainly one of the greatest um, ski action stunt sequences in all of the Bond films. Other thing that really impressed on the big screen was seeing the underwater sequences, particularly the Neptune sub sequence with the ship, the St. George's, the wreck of it, and Bond and Molina trying to retrieve the ATAC system, beautifully realised on the big screen. It was great seeing that um, sequence with the sharks and with the underwater battle that ensues. Such a beautifully put together sequence and um, one of the most memorable parts of the film. It was great that Desmond Llewellyn's Q got some nice moments in Fear Eyes Only, as well as the sequences in Q's lab, which are always a joy to watch on the big screen or at home for that matter. Love the little bit um, when he suddenly appears in disguise in a Greek Orthodox church confessional. Yet again, a fantastic rapport between Roger Moore and Desmond Llewellyn. Fear Eyes Only is always going to have a soft spot in my heart as a James Bond film because it was the very first Bond film that I ever saw back in the early 80s on Betamax video rental. Also, 
the Corfu location that's so beautifully used um, throughout for your eyes only. Uh, my parents took me on a holiday back in 1980 uh, to Corfu just a few months before the James Bond crew arrived to shoot the location footage in Corfu and so just seeing Corfu look exactly as it did back on that wonderful family holiday will always just be something very special for me. Overall, had another very entertaining evening at the cinema. Maybe it's not quite up there with Moonraker and Spy Who Loved Me as my favourite of the Roger films so far on these vintage cinema outings. However, at the end of the day, it's James Bond and it's Roger Moore in James Bond, so what's not to love? Very much looking forward to seeing Octopussy on the big screen next week. It's one of my favourite of Roger's films. John Barry's back again, which is always a great thing. Hope as many of you as possible are getting to see these James Bond films this year on the big screen. And hope you all have a fantastic week. And thanks again to the Really 007 crew for putting out these fantastic podcasts and also for the incredible interviews that you've been getting recently that you've been putting on your YouTube as well as your podcast channels with people that have been connected with the Bond films both in front of and behind the camera. All the best, guys, and speak to you soon. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. That's putting it mildly, 007. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Your signal sent Whitehall into shock. Do you know, so far we've managed to locate 439 St. Cyril's in Greece. Heaven only knows to which one Christados took the ATAC. I know a well-informed person to contact about that, Q. St. Cyril's, where we used to hide from the Germans. Only Christatus would make an abandoned monastery's personal retreat. Hello, this is Noel here from Dublin in Ireland. I saw Fiore's Only over the weekend. Hadn't seen it on the big screen since seeing it in America with my family back in 1981 when we saw it in a drive-in. And my overriding memory from that time are just the colours yellow and blue. Of course, blue relating to the underwater sequences later on in the picture and yellow relating to the scuba gear that Bond and Melina were wearing. I much prefer the second half of the picture. I think that grittiness it's going for with Topol really comes to the fore. Uh, I particularly love the scenes with Liesel and the scenes in the casino and back at her beach house. 
it was a kind of a strange reminder of going to the cinema back then in the 80s not just relating to a bond picture but just that kind of cinematography the look it's almost like they put vaseline on the screen just to give a bit of a glow that one or two points i thought it was going to turn into a a coffee advert so that was a nice little reminder i kind of hadn't expected it sort of has a lot of moments of jeopardy in it rather than an out and out spectacle with chases and so on particularly the scene on the the rock face at the end of the film that's quite a long sequence maybe a bit too long perhaps but when bond dispatches the guy at the top of the mountain i did find myself sort of cheering along somewhat so there is a payoff for the audience speaking of mountaintops uh, obviously the classic scene in the picture is bond kicking Locke off the top of a mountain this time he's on top and Locke is in a, an unenviable position what a great moment that is for Roger Moore and again it's another payoff to that particular sequence and also this unspoken rivalry between Bond and Locke which culminates in this particular moment and I also found Bond and Melina's relationship to be very tender in it actually so that was a nice surprise as well when I was going to see it the other night I was driving up the motorway listening to Bill Conti's soundtrack um, which for a Bond movie could be described as being a bit vulgar maybe naff questionable synthesizers used but nonetheless there is something sort of terribly appealing about it maybe for all the wrong reasons and yet if I'm to be perfectly honest the one thing I was looking forward to the most about going to see Fury's Only was the opportunity to hear Bill Conti's version of the gun barrel music in all of its cowbell glory please feel free to do your own Christopher Walken impression 18, 19, 20, 20, 50 more that's the pits, I'm supposed to be skating in Oslo, in Innsbruck what are we doing in this creepy place? our plans have changed we are going to live in Cuba for a few months. Cuba? You can skate privately without distractions. I will be your audience. What a drag that'll be. I want to win the gold medal. We all want that. I know what you want, but you're too old for me. I'm splitting. You have done this. Poisoned her against me. Don't blow your top, Harry. Leave her alone. I will deal with you, Jakob Brink as I deal with everyone who betrays me. I'm quite nervous now because I can see some, some mixed faces as I, as I look around, but I've been bowled over by that film over and over again. And from start to finish, one of the most enjoyable evenings I've had. Okay, Moonraker, yes, maybe more entertaining, but absolutely magnificent. But I'll start with, I'll start with math, bit of, yeah? Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I just love it so much. You know, I said before. I said before about the different stunts and set pieces. It's just off the off the chain. I think it's it's like you go from one to the next. The editing, the pace of the film, it just rattles along at such a great speed. And you've got such a different variety of, of set pieces and stunts, and they're all handled so well. You know, the geography of them, the tension yeah. of them, the speed of them, and you know, I think I feel like a lot of them are. They've thought about them and thought. But what, what if this, you know, what if you have skiing, but he goes into a bobsleigh tracker or there are oh, motorbikes yeah. chasing him down a ski slope. Like, and, and you know, on the climb, ski jump. Climb, climbing yeah. like that, we've not seen, we've no. not seen that before in a Bond film. Um, it's just, it's just so good. And as we said before, you know, an interesting story. Um, one that's different, different types of villains, a different type of world. 
the locations are beautiful and really varied and you feel again that you're very much part of them and that you're on location and that you're being thrown into those you know those locations rather than just being in a studio or something so yeah, yeah. honestly ab I absolutely loved it and it's just such a favourite of mine right I'll I'll pass to Dave because I Dave haven't seen it if you heard earlier <laughs> for seven years isn't it something like that yeah I'm, did it, did it live up to the uh, the hype of us? Or? It's far better than I remember. Oh, yes! I mean, I think when you when you remember it, you remember things like, you know, on a really basic level, like a terrible pre-title sequence, in my opinion. Um, just my opinion, Tom. Um, <laughs> all Bond opinions um, are valid. Um, some more than others. You remember things like um, Molina and a crossbow. Yeah. And you remember uh, BB. Um, of course. For, for, yeah. for, for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Lines like, I know what you want, but you're too old. Yeah, yeah. Sick. But in all honesty, unbelievable. Yeah. As Matt said, the, uh, the scenery's phenomenal. Fake Madrid is brilliant. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, bits of Greece and that. The cultural element is, is yeah, superb. Yeah. And uh, the chase. Um, all the chases I mean you get the ski scene which is ridiculous you get the the citron yeah which, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. I forgot how good the citron scene is because right? obviously it's yeah. one of those ones that it's always cut up on you know when they do like a big bond you know, yeah you see a little bit always cut up a little bit of it and you forget actually it's a really yeah. well shot yeah. fast paced you know, even the bit like where it turns over and all the people help him while the bus is yeah. coming through. Yeah. You know, all that fantastic. Um, I think Molina is, is probably the big star for me, though. She fully holds her own. It's not, she's not incidental in the film. She's fully, yeah. you know, and, and Rog is brilliant in it, but she fully has a, uh, like a grasp on what that role is. And oh, as much as she's trying to avenge her parents, she actually helps with the mission. Yes, uh, yeah. In, in a way that you're like, yeah, fair enough. And, and she's brilliant in it. I thought the, the other thing that really stood out to me, music is so of its time. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so brilliant. Like, how they somehow, the, the music is there in the chases as like a background thing. And then you yeah. get like the, the sound of the movie over the top of it. That was brilliant. So yeah, re really, really enjoyed it. And Columbo is for me like the perfect James Bond like helper. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Suave, cool, enough for you to kind of be a bit suspicious and think, is he gangster or is he mafia or whoever? But no, absolutely loved it from start to finish. Very enjoyable two hours. Yes, Dave, so happy. Did, did you even like, you said from start to finish, you did, didn't like the start, but did you like the actual finish? I, I mean, the film starts <laughs> yes. at the point where we hear the For Your Eyes on the Track. <laughs> right, okay. Right. Well, apart from that, very good. Does it end before the Margaret Thatcher? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the thing is with that was, is like, I'd, that's one of those moments where you're like aware it happens you know it happens you haven't talked about yeah. it but then you're like what actually is said here like I remember the and the, the great you know Dennis or whatever just walks yeah, yeah. so derogatory like you know like um, but yeah yeah whatever happens with that happens but the rest of the film is I think superb absolutely yes. superb and um, I think as well the one thing I'll point out is it isn't a joke that film is it heck? There's no, a few little no. moments where he makes what I would say good, witty remarks yeah. that link in that are very Bond. But um, it's not a joke. You know, I think Moonraker in tone is, is much more fun in yes, the yeah, yeah. than this. But you can see this and then Octopussy next week. 
those together. They're quite serious films yeah, in lots yeah, of ways. Yeah. And, and great missions. Some good spy work as well. So I like that. There's, there is, isn't there? There is a yeah. lot of spy work throughout. And it's one clue leading to another, which there is a bit in Moonraker. But Bond, I think, he relies on other people. And Sam, you, where, before, before tonight, like, you've not seen it in the cinema? No, I've not seen no. it in the cinema. No, not this one, no. And like the last few you've seen it with us, like I watched Donna Madison's with you and you're like, oh, that's, that's my favourite. Yeah. And then you saw Spy, oh, that's my third favourite. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. Moonraker, oh, it might be in my top three now. And all. I'm really worried now where this, where this was to start with. Or... So, well, I mean, it's kind of in the same place, which is not... <laughs> it's, not it's, uh, no, no one will it, be offended. No, it, but honestly, like you compare it to all the others, I mean, that we've seen so far, every yeah. single one is just kind of like been such a great experience and this has been a great experience too but I think I compare me, like me watching Moonraker last week yeah. compared to VR Eyes Only and it's just such a difference and you know that's like my third favourite whereas this is my least favourite Roger film right um, but I think the others are so strong the first four are all in my top ten yeah that's a yeah. To, a view to a kill is like 11 and then octopus is still in like between 10 to 20 yeah aware. so you love roger then, basically uh, yeah i love roger and then like the eyes only is like what was like 21st Oof. so i know i know but it's got to go somewhere yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 but you know it's not the very bottom at all there's some great things in here i probably this is probably the most i enjoyed carol Bou- bouquet yeah like i I've never really clipped with her, and I still don't fully, however, I understand it, and I think they get, it's nice that there is a bit more backstory to, to a, you know, a leading you know, lady for a film like this. Um, and that she isn't just there for the ride, she really does no. you know, have a lot of input, whether that's to do with her, you know, for her crossbow, for her diving experience with the yeah, submarine. Yeah. Um, you know, she's very good at what she does. I mean, she kills Gonzalez straight off, you know. She, yes, you know, yeah. You know, what do you I, think about the romance? Like, do you, I saw a little bit more tonight, a few clues and a few more looks, and ooh. I felt there was like growing affection. It's still a bit jarring that they're just straight snogging at the end, but yeah, I, I, I thought it was quite sweet and nice throughout. Yeah, like I get you know in the carriage, like and they're yeah, playing the yeah, music, yeah. and they really are. I think they are trying to like you know, allude to oh, this could become. Something He's cool. not like properly hitting on her though, like no, compared to Moonraker. No. He's just hitting on anyone he can get. Isn't yeah. he? <laughs> But I think just the, the, what he's saying... Which is saying, good, I'm not. <laughs> what, what, what he's saying and the way he's saying it to her, especially in the yeah. carriage ride, I do get more of a paternal... Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is why it's a bit jarring. Like, I think, you know, we've seen later on, you can't end the Bond film without, you know, them you know, having sex at the end. It's, it, yeah. it's not, you know, that integral to it. I mean, we got a funny end scene anyway. Yeah. It, which is great and whatever you know what everyone enjoys themselves but I don't know I think it would have been a, you know for, for me like just a lot better if we kind of just kind of like you know bid each other farewell and it was kind of like you know thank you for you know yeah. getting through this you know because it has been a more serious time because Liesl he's, his face when she gets run over is so good right? he looks so angry and annoyed. I, well, I, they, have, they have great chemistry I know it's tasteless because, of course, it's Pierce Brosnan's wife, but... No, no, of course not, of course not. <laughs> Good acting. Like, no, no, it was great, but, yeah, I... Yeah, I feel like we're in that run of films where I think it's kind of... It, this is kind of the last one where you've got some really horrible deaths for secondary... Yeah, yeah. It's, really, you know, it's pretty much 
you know, since Goldfinger on, and almost every yeah, single one. Been it, yeah. And it's always been like mm. kind of like you know in Jurassic World where the Zara, the Zara woman gets all those her dons like <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just very big and over the top and it just feels like no one else gets that definitely so nice whereas you know a lot of the you know secondary female characters get that and this is probably you know, this scared me, that death scared me as a kid when I first yeah, saw it. When yeah. I was like eleven at first sight, it really freaked me out. Um, but obviously next time it's not supposed to be a magic around not supposed to be women together and that's really great that you know, yeah. you know doing that we well, move on least, to the allies getting killed yeah oh yeah well I mean but Liesl's just I think you know it's, she doesn't do that much I mean that's a bit of a shame I kind of wish she would have had a bit more time yeah. but this is Melina's story really yeah. you know she's just you know, but I mean she's great I think Sandra Harris does a really good job yeah. <laughs> just countesses in the Bond universe is just yeah they do alright don't they do all right. <laughs> yeah. I mean they end up dying but I like them yeah. you know? so but no and you know the music you know not my favourite at all but I mean it's some great tracks I mean I would say Fake Madrid that, that whole scene that whole sequence is my favourite only because you've the read about the production history no no <laughs> yeah, yeah, no but yeah. no, the section 2 CB I mean that is yeah. you know the, I think for me the best part of the film is that yeah. whole sequence it, make it last so nice play during that yes so, here we go so, and the drive in the country so you go from that to that it is it's, it's, there's so many great scenes one after another yeah. oh, even when it you know changes location from that like I think I said the other week that's when he finds Luigi dead see the music to notify of the dove and then it swirls into the Fiora's only instrumental and you get that wide shot of Cortina it's just Sorry, not Cortina. Everything feels like it's part of the film. It doesn't feel like, yeah. let's do this set piece, let's yes. do that set piece. Yeah. Yeah. So you get, in the midst of it, it still feels part of the, the mission and the overall yeah. Yeah. sense of it. So And even location to location, it lends itself to yeah. that. So you don't... And the music is the kind of tire of, of it all together. Uh, John's been weighing the wings. Uh, is it... Is it going up? Is it get, are you getting more love for it? Because I know we've spoken to quite a few people who are involved with it now. Did you, did you notice Paul Weston having a fight with Bond at the end? Yeah. He gets smashed through the window. And, I did. Yeah. I Such absolutely child. loved it. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes I, it, was, it was far better on the big screen. Right. I agree with David that I think it's, apart from Quantum of Solace, possibly the weakest pre-title sequence. I do think that. Um, but from the minute that the um, title set in, I absolutely <laughs> loved it. I've got to be honest. And there's three reasons why. The first one is John Glenn. Mm. Yes. Um, I really, really, really noticed a step up in the terms of action, in terms of yeah. the the visceral nature of the action mm. I found like very similar to uh, On the Majesties like, yeah, the very similar yeah, in that yeah. kind of thing there's a lot of links aren't there lots yeah. of links and I found that that really came through no one but Martin Campbell's great at it yeah. him and Martin Campbell when it comes to their action scenes stand out oh yeah, yeah they yeah, are yeah, the yeah, absolute yeah. bosses of it and and I absolutely loved it. I've never been massive on the whole bobsled and chase, that kind of thing. Loved it. Absolutely <laughs> loved it. It was absolutely brilliant. That's the first reason. The second reason I absolutely loved it was Lynn Hollyjones. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, honestly. For, honestly. Sam's walked off. I think. I thought you loved she her. She is an absolute superstar. <laughs> 
<laughs> there is no one like BB Dahl in the whole of Bond. Yeah. She's irritating. She's not an ally. She's not a Bond girl. She's a complete annoyance from start to <laughs> But but she is amazing. <laughs> she is like just comedy gold from minute yeah. one. I absolutely Ooh. loved her. I thought she was brilliant. And the third reason, I cannot believe I'm going to say this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The soundtrack. Yes, yeah. yeah. John. <laughs> He's gone backwards, this. forwards quickly. Very <laughs> backwards, forwards quickly. From the minute that, like, the bomb being kicked in on the free time, on the. Oh, on the uh, still on barrel. the disco, late like, disco, isn't it? It's yeah. just... And, like, the. Um, I've never been a massive fan of Runaway, and everyone goes on about oh, yeah, Runaway, yeah. it's great. Honestly, on the big screen, it's just like Ski Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sounds, yeah. It just sounds like Ski yeah. Sunday. And I'm like, I'm absolutely loving this. Um, the skiing is something that we haven't talked about much, but apart from Modern Majesties, it must be the best. Is well, it? I'm just trying to think. Well, I, I'm, yeah. yeah. Those two are the... I, yeah, well, there's well, there's not enough. Kit. No, 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 I was trying yeah. to think of what I was yeah. like, before. The future killed as well as I know. But, but you, Daylights but, isn't him skiing. No, no, so. no. But like you say, Matt, it's like you've got a motorbike going down a really steep... I've never seen that oh. done since. I know. You know, the, the different types of action going through the woods. You know, and he puts that bar to get the yeah. motorbike. One of those is Charles Dance, you noticed, didn't you? Yeah. I've not noticed that. I, I noticed Charles Dance, and I'd never noticed on the big screen that a Postis is the chauffeur driver. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, I saw that. I've never noticed that yeah. Because it's... There's a little direction where you see him looking a bit sternly in the yeah. wind, see like, oh, hang on. Yeah. But then, because he jokes to him, like, I shall be needing you tonight. Yeah. Yeah. The, you, the audience says, oh, no, he's forget him, he's just I an mean, extra. Or is it I prefer Postus to Kriegler. I mean, huh, does that mean Stamper at one of them? Whatever it's called in that. No, no, no. No, no, no. But, like, I think, no, he's... Uh, I don't know. I was going to say, no, I was going to say about the ski, like, the ski stuff, to be fair, that, yeah. you know, we spend a lot of time in that location compared to, like, Spy Who Loved Me and A View to yeah, Kill yeah. and whatnot. And, that whole sequence. Oh, yeah, so Spy is amazing in it yeah, as well. Sorry, yeah. But it's so varied what happens in there. Like you yeah. get the most bikes, you get the that large ramp in it, and boom, like sound like yeah. when it gets out. Of and there. it's with real people there skiing. Because obviously all the other ski scenes are just in the middle of nowhere, aren't they? Yeah. This one so skiing on the lunch, you know, and yeah, yeah, it's realistic. Yeah. And yeah. the and the drunk guy. Oh yeah, yeah, love him. My inter- overall interpretation of the film has this could be this could have been a Connery film. Like, it, it, um, I think Roger does a brilliant job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Change it. The, the story, the the I suppose the um, just small nature of the small scale nature yeah. of espionage. It could be a Terence Young film in a lot yeah, of ways, yeah, yeah. but because we've got the John Glenn action in it, it I, I'm Roger. I I've got to say I loved it, and and I'm with Sam in a lot of these. Uh, I've loved every single one. But I've loved everyone so much that they've not changed my rankings. No, no, no. This is the first one that has. Oh, wow. Ooh. Okay. This is the first one that I would now put this definitely above Thunderball. Oh, well, hang on, hang on. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Dave and Sam's you walked off. You only live twice as well. Right. right. I would put it... <laughs> Sam's walked off about five times. <laughs> but as I said, like, everything's got to go somewhere. You're yeah. right, yeah. And and there's 20 there's 23 out of 25 films that I love famously yeah famously <laughs> famously it's not 25 but yes yeah, yeah there's, there's there's one that I despise and, and one that's half a film so the, the, um, yeah. 
than the rest of them are great. Yeah, I'm sure, but I loved it. I've got to say I loved yes. it. You know, I can't say anything else. <laughs> and I don't care who knows. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't love it, you'd go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a John Glenn, I noticed, I said to Matt a few times, some of the shot choices, yeah. where you'll have like the plane landing in the background after you've seen something in the foreground. Like, it is a step up, I think. It's Peter Hunt, it's that level of... Obviously, Lewis Gilbert's a brilliant director in other ways, but this is like... He, he, you can tell he's a Bond fan, John Glenn, can't you? Yeah. A Fleming fan, oh, an action sure. movie fan. And it's... Yeah, the, the pace of the film, it just never... There's no, I don't think there's any bit, maybe a little bit underwater, it sounds a little bit, mm. but on the big screen, that's not as, not no, as bad, I think. Well, there's underwater scene. That, They're really yeah. well shot, though, aren't they? They're so well shot. And Tomorrow Never Dies takes so much yeah, effort. Yeah, it does. No, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. He should. Yeah. He, he was the underwater, you know, coordinator for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, throughout a lot of the film, I had the, in my head just the, the Devonshire. Where are the, the Devonshire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are the Devonshire saying? And I Interesting, that, yeah. I hadn't made that link before, but seeing it on the big yeah. screen. I mean, yeah, they, they both sink right after the title sequence. Yeah. yeah. There, Trying to find it. Yeah, yeah. I've always found that Devonshire is such a lovely throwback. It does feel like absolute classic Bond. Yeah. yeah. So, Particularly even the feel of, like, in yeah. the ship. In the ship, yeah, and the design the, of it. And, and you've got that huge parallels yeah. from watching it today. But so. uh, there's some pretty shocking, violent bits. That bit when they all... You know, the guy gets electrocuted in the center oh, in the yeah. beginning. Yeah, absolutely oh. awful, isn't it? it is. And Melina's parents getting killed—that's that must be one of the worst. As kids watching that, was so yeah. shocking. And it's, it? it's quite a surprise. Yeah, the first time yeah. you watch that. that, it's quite a surprise because it just feels like, oh, we've been introduced to this work, this girl, yeah. she's been dropped off. What's going on? And then there's no yeah. way you would know the look on his, the actor, the look on his face where he, oh. he look, almost looks like I don't want to do this. Just as he shoots, like he sort of smiles and then doesn't smile. And then the, and the, the next time you can see their scene. faces and it's like, hang on, what are they doing? Oh, it's and I'm just give a absolutely amazing. John Marino as well. Yes, oh, yeah, of course we do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, after when he told us about yeah. how like he was actually scheduled to do a scene with touching the buttons and it going yeah, up yeah, in yeah. the car and that was yeah. going to be part <laughs> of it. So when he says that, like, don't touch the buttons and he has that little smile on his face, yeah, I could just see that he was really trying to put in that character of being that goofy kind yeah. of uh, the pen pusher isn't he, he said yeah, from exactly. Milan yeah, and, and yeah. it was just like watching just a newfound appreciation for a character I've not really taken all that much yeah. notice in the past it was it was great to see it really and was. he said it was meant to be a lot bigger role wasn't it yeah like six scenes with Christatos having yeah. dinner with him and stuff and, and that John Glenn yeah. rang him and said really sorry we're going to have to cut it we're running out yeah run out of time, time. Really or something. Yeah, and, yeah. You, and you wonder about you know what what that would have oh, been. Oh, yeah. But as we've said before, like, the John Glenn films don't, they seem to be very lean. Yeah, they're, like, they're always, the two hours, aren't they? They're not, he's not going to go like over two hours, ten, is he, or anything? It's... No, and it seems to be like you get what you need. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Good grief. No, 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 I was just going to say, like, again, with like a Pierce Brosnan film thing, like, again, I thought, oh. of, I thought of Jack Wade, like, don't push yeah. any of the buttons in their car. Yeah, like, of course, know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, but then yeah. also, like, if, um, Say about that, like I think you know, you need to focus on the, the Columbo character. You need to get to them because he's like the main yeah. ally. Because, yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, you kind of need to. That's true. Yeah, you do need to like take some bit off someone else, which unfortunately yeah. is Luigi. But I was saying, I felt, I actually felt so dumb because all my life I've oh, yeah. seen that film. Yeah. I never understood what the mirror said on the in the hotel. <laughs> 
<laughs> I thought it said whatever it was on the top, and then I thought it said I thought it was I O A M, and I was like, what's that word? Is that like some different language? And then I looked today, and I was like. Tom, is that 10 a.m.? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, and I was like, oh. Even oh, I knew that. Yeah. I was 27 and didn't realise it was 10 a.m. Like, I felt you so... You have to watch it many times to yeah. realise it's a masterpiece. I know, but I've watched it. I know, but that's what I mean when I've watched it so many times and now you realise something as simple as that. It's like, wow. Well, like, <laughs> deluded or something, I don't know. But, uh, but no, I will say, I'm interested to see the progression of Jungle End. It's, we're on a real ride now, aren't we? It's just oh, a joke. I mean, it's not my favourite Roger next one. Is it? It is now. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Roger, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so. What's your favourite Roger Dave actually? Difficult one. I, I always thought it was Live and Let Die. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I would have. I really, I loved Live and Let Die when I came. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll say this because it's true, but it's, it's probably a bit of a sham. Um, I rewatched Octopussy I've been listening to nineteen hours. Of yeah. People. And, um, that was before we got them really long though that was the first <laughs> one we did yeah, 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 yeah. still fairly yeah, long yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still longer than the film um, <laughs> part one is yeah so yeah. I um, uh, and I had a much much better view of Octopus you haven't watched it right after that and oh, I just thank thought, you not necessarily because of what was said um, <laughs> <laughs> although maybe because of what was said not what no, I did I just but, gave yeah. it a different, different view because I always had a soft spot for a view to a kill yeah, he's yeah. certainly far too old but there's some great ingredients in yeah, there yeah. and he's good in it it's just the, maybe the staging with some of the other characters where you thought you know he's, in, he's a bit old now maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe, come on yeah. mate yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah yeah so we like that but Tonight, I think this has moved in there. I, you know, yeah, I still think it. Living Like Die is, because yeah. I, th- I think, for me, I just there's lots of other film I like. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't think any of the Roger films are bad, just my wife is, so, you know. I'm so not, that's it, that's why you're here enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. away, I'll watch her on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a healthy thing to do. It is, isn't it? Well, we've, we've only got two Rogers left. That's oh. sad, isn't it, now? Whoa. But the, the two of the absolute oh. very best. I mean, I love them all, brilliant. I think they're all amazing, but... Octopussy and A View to a Kill. It's just so good. And out of all the films to come, A View to a Kill is the one that I'm looking forward to the most. Out of yeah, anything yeah. Else. I'm so excited for it. It's so it's cinematic, music, isn't it? But it's just, yeah, yeah, the music. Yeah. You know when something's like just so, you get all these like iconic 80s films, and yeah. even though all these are 80s films, like A View to a Kill to me is like the 80s Bond film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, sat back in the middle, there's the song, the characters, you know. But I mean, I'm really looking forward to Octopussy as well. You know, I'm living daylights, you know. There's no. that, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we can't even think about Dalton yet. I know, I know, I know. I was like, we've already seen License Kill, but we'll probably be yeah. seeing it again, oh. like, whilst it's put out. Yeah, and stuff. So, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff. And then, yeah. and then after that, you've got Golden Stone, Eye. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know, and it keeps we're, going. We're like, <laughs> like, gonna get to, like, we're such a good thing. Yeah, so. This run now is just a joke. It is. We've never had it so good. No, no, no. License to Kill is certainly a Saturday Tuesday event, isn't it? Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah, well, yeah. Well done, oh, yeah, yeah. You can say you've watched it on the big screen three times. <laughs> yeah, like, actually, you can't, you just can't, you can't miss anything anyway, but you can't miss anything until the world is enough now. It's just like, you're right. Including the world is enough. Thank you. Having seen World is not enough at the, the cinema once before, that's just amazing. It's a genius it's film. It's so, yeah. well, so good. So. Uh, yeah, and uh, the biggest thing for me will just be when I get to the point of Dying of the Day, which was the first one film oh. I saw in the cinema. Exactly. Um, and then halfway through, went to the loo, and when I came back in, I think, yeah, I don't know what had happened to the film. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, a different film, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, what Bond's being tortured? 
what's going on that Madonna? <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, yeah good, good scene. Yeah, yeah. But you know, like when you get to that point and you suddenly think, oh my word! Like even Casino Royale, watching it in the cinema again. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. See the see the difference. Amazing. Yeah, I, I think watching it in this manner, I think you get a different view on things and yeah. you get some perspective. You, even the films that you kind of see, it's 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 kind of mirroring or linking in. Yeah, yeah. Because it, I mean, the, we won't have seen the 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 newer they are, we won't have seen them as many times as these ones on video, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of times. Yes, and so, certainly you won't. No, <laughs> not not some of the later ones. Although I have, I seem to have watched the Craig so much over these last years, more than any of the other ones. Almost revision for No Time to Die. But, uh, um, just to mention, Sam has done. I've mentioned it before, but on Life's Grave in that amazing article. While well, we mentioned words not enough, comparing it to Honor Majesty's, but I'm sure John Glenn said that in this there were deliberately a few quite the, the blue ski suit, even at the barn at the end of the, yeah. with animals in that they go through. I noticed that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know whether these are anything. Yeah, you know, like I, you, know, you see Rogers on top of on top of that. You know, at the end of the Runaway, you know, ski yeah. chase, he goes on the top, just the like slave, just yeah. like just like Tracy did. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, First time, you see, first time you see yeah. the hat thrown on the thing to Money Penny. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thrown to Money Penny. Cancels out the comment that I made yes. about, about the thing. I was like, I didn't. I, I forgot about that, that one. I was like, <laughs> oh. no offense. So uh, sad. Yeah. It's like, oh, Sorry, right. the goal got it wrong. It's that Bond got it wrong. Sam got it wrong. Sam, oh uh, no, no. But no, there is a, there is a lot, and you know, John Glenn, you know, obviously works on. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I mean, he has that kind of like first-hand mm. knowledge. Anyway, it's not just it's not just a director thinking, oh yeah, let's do let's no just, no let's just set this in. It's like no, like this is the type of story we're telling. Yeah, maybe I can weave some things in, and you know, nothing's apart from Tracy's great and love, not love though. There's nothing that's so heavy. No, not at all. No. You know? Yeah, the ski chase is a nice kind of like reflection of yeah. you know something else coming before you know by this point what twelve years since that so yeah, yeah but yeah. this is, do you think this is the best act, the best action scene since on the I don't know I'm just thinking think action scene action film no, well action scene the, the the staging of each action scene because Lazenby's fight scenes are pretty good aren't they I guess Spy I think is really right good right, really, yeah. you know, I think yeah. I just think of what's what goes on the time for, you know, the, yeah. the, oh, well, the battles there, yeah, they're super. Yeah. The jaws, the chase, yeah. you know, the, yeah. this, you know. I just think I felt these fights more tonight, I felt Gil, more. Gilbert's all about scale. Yeah, yeah. And he's the best at scale, but, but action, it, when it comes to visceral action, it's yeah. John Glenn all the way, is, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Add, a, add a bit of humour in as well. Yeah, I love when that car goes down, upside down, and they're like finally spinning around and finally recovering, then, the other car knocks it so it keeps spinning yeah, around yeah. again, you know, it's just... How do you think of these things? You know, how do you stage that? And that's, a, that's an incredible stunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, we will go because we're, it's getting a bit rowdy here in Bury. <laughs> but what a night. I've, oh, I'm, Harry is going to be watching it, I think, on Tuesday, he says. I hope he gets to watch it. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he's a massive champion for this film. Yeah. And uh, John Orty, it's his favourite Bond, I think, apart from Diamonds. Yeah. But, he, but he, he says, I'm not seeing because I've seen it four times at the cinema. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in other people's thoughts on this. So I think it's going to be a, could be a mixed bag of thoughts. Mm. Moonraker is very positive. It's a come down in terms of scale for Moonraker. Yeah. So it depends what you, you're expecting from the film. Yeah. But I loved it, I've got to say. I think it's great. And that's it. That's, that's the main takeaway. Mm. John loves it. It's better than Dave remembered. I'll take that. 
some appreciated it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, of course I do. Okay. So it's, it's <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's a Bond film. You've got to appreciate something. Yeah. Even if it, even if you even if you've got to look real deep, like. But I mean, with this, it's not. You don't no. need to. You don't need to look too deeply. Like this, there's, there's a lot to love. There's, there really is. So. Right on to Octopussy. Can't wait, guys. No, Melina, that's not the answer. We'll turn him over to the Greek police. Out of my way, James. All right, but be prepared to dig those two graves. So I've just come out of the cinema, having finished for your eyes only, on a Tuesday night in Leeds. I just couldn't be happier. That film just makes me so happy. Before the film, when I recorded my thoughts, I was in a bit of a rush and I was just darting through all my um, my ideas and fondness for the film very quickly. I'm going to try and slowly just dissect and work out why it is I just love this film so much. It just takes me to such a happy place. I mentioned the nautical theme. I love all the water and the, the blue palette of the film. But the locations are great. It's such a great representation of Europe as it dots around those those wonderful Mediterranean countries. And obviously it picks up the, the gorgeous waters of those area, of that area. But also, the, you know, the, the, the small towns like and, and the, the f local folk music, the Greek uh, folk music, and just, it picks it up so well. And this is all, you know, coming after Moonraker, where last week I was absolutely buzzing and praising the idea of going to Rio and, you know, <laughs> to like America and France and all those amazing things. Uh, sorry, Venice. And But yet, this is so different. It's it's all, the action takes place in like a, just a triangle of countries. And it's just wonderful. Um, I love, I just love it. It's it, And it's presented so well. And moving on from that, um, where next, I think it's it's captured beautifully. I thought the picture was excellent. There's the first scene with, obviously, with the man in the wheelchair or Blofeld, whichever. Um, and yes, it's strange. Yes, it's silly. It kind of really doesn't do justice to the character of Blofeld and Spectre and all that. And uh, I, I agree that, that that's worthy of criticism. But that isn't to take away from some unbelievable stunts in that scene. And to see on the big screen this helicopter ducking and diving, plummeting and going through these, uh, you know, through the shelter and with a stuntman hanging on, climbing on, dangling on. It's a shame that any sort of silliness of the, 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 the content of that scene is actually distracting from some incredible stunt work, which was brilliant to see on, uh, on the big screen. Brilliant, amazing ideas. And obviously when we spoke to John Glenn about doing that opening scene, he, he was talking about it very fondly and, and quite right too. Um, and the idea of this remote control helicopter uh, doing things that you would not normally see helicopters do. I mean, the, the driver to do those things. I mean, helicopters scare me anyway, to be honest. Um, so to see a dr someone who can pilot a helicopter like that is just remarkable. And then a stuntman hanging off. Incredible. Yeah, I, I was talking... What was I talking about? I, I think I'm just going to end up going through it chronologically. I have no idea. But yeah, the... Um, I love the main the main titles. I thought they looked absolutely gorgeous. Morris Binder is obviously it's got Sheen Easton in in the the titles, which is new, but it is a step up. It seems clearer. Picture seems to have gone up a notch. And at the same time, tonight's performance at this Odeon, the sound was absolutely brilliant. The synthesizer I heard on the on the song was absolutely incredible. Really rich. Really deep. 
and atmospheric when it came in, um, that first note. And that went throughout the film, actually. The, the, the sound, I thought, was absolutely incredible. It's something I mentioned before, but it's... I don't know if it's Conti or Glenn, but the way that they have a, a build-up of music that drops to absolute silence, it happens even um, in St George's, and I thought St George's looked absolutely amazing. Really amazing set that they'd made inside uh, St George's and the atmosphere that they'd created there, I thought it was excellent. And um, on the big screen, it was such a such a difference to Moonraker, this tight, pokey grimy boats then with the uh, control center inside but yeah the, the use of sound there was it's just that amazing thing where it's all building up and then as soon as there's that approaching device and the alarm goes off it cuts to silence and panic and then it, it's a john glenn thing the just the tightness of the cutting and the editing i'd love how the last thing you see of st george's is him reaching for the lever to self-destruct you never see if he gets it you just see the hand struggling in the water and it cuts and it's just so powerful i mean there's there are many examples later it's kind of used when they're racing through the village and bond knocks over or it might be one of the uh, chasing cars that knocks over a man on his ladder and it shows him wobble and then it cuts you never you don't need to see him fall to ground it's just so tight it's so tightly done but not in a rush. It's edited in a really slick way where you are left to understand and make your own conclusions about what happens whilst you're moving on to the next scene. It's not fast and rushed. It's 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 just no time wasting. And while it's going at a good pace, your mind is connecting so many dots. And that pace was kept up brilliantly, I thought, when he goes to, to the pool party, which I just thought was incredible as always i love that scene but the chases through the woods around it and um, there's just so many quick shots of guards and bond chasing going through branches he just glenn he just keeps up that pace so well i don't know if i'm right in saying it and it's, it just feels that pace is new when john glenn when john glenn's directing i might be wrong i don't know it just felt like that that and then leads to that car chase which was just so much fun the uh, obviously the, the Volkswagen winding down the mountain, but then cutting through, and you know when you've got this pace, and then only John Glenn could then in, intersect that with the humorous car landing in the apple tree and all the apples bobbing down, falling down, sorry, into the net. Uh, just brilliant filmmaking, and I just don't know how which idea came first. Then you know, is it just oh right, we're filming around apple trees. Let's end with a car creating lots of apples falling well if we're going to do that let's just have a few cutaways of people picking out apples during the chase watching it just builds a great pitch in your mind you, you get to know the scenery so well that it made perfect sense everyone understood the joke that there were loads of people picking apples there and the car landing helped all those apples drop brilliant it's just amazing quick slick storytelling where it's getting in your mind you know the area you know what's happening and it's not all shown really, really slowly so that it makes sure you get it. It's all happening at pace. From there, I'm, I, 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 you know, I, mean, I don't know, I'm jumping all over the place. I'm, I'm talking about Glenn and things like that. Perhaps I'll sort the, back, the, the music. I, I do love it. It definitely places it in time, the soundtrack, with that era of music. It's very Bill Conti. Um, and it's, it's quite amazing that... The franchise has brought Bill Conti in, you know, and with his successes. I think it's great that he's done a Bond film. Yeah, I think, I th you know, you always, with these things, you imagine, what you know, with a John Barry soundtrack, 
what would it have been like? It would would it be an absolute classic that everyone loves? Perhaps maybe the music does kind of leave it out of people's minds a little bit. But at the same time, you know, total credit to Bill Conti as a, you know as a, someone outside the franchise coming in to do a Bond score, putting his own stamp on it, but using themes throughout, using the theme of the song, tying it all together uh, with new action themes, using the Bond theme at the right moments. And although it might be dated, I think, you know, some credit needs to go to Conte for coming into the franchise and obeying the rules of the music uh, of the franchise. And I just don't think recent films have done that. I think they've, they've, left, they've not quite understood how important the musical cues are in James Bond films. And Bill Conte came in and he did, uh, he's, you know, he's tried use his style, but as part of the franchise, which, you know, credit where credit's due. Roger Moore's brilliant in this, and he's just, I th- he's great. He's, he's so under control, very serious, and it's bookended by the, the daft Blofeld beginning and the, <laughs> the Thatcher ending, the Maggie Thatcher ending. But everything in between, this is a serious film for Roger Moore, really serious, where there are very few jokes. The audience, not very responsive in terms of laughter at all, but why would they, you know? It's, not, it's no Moonraker, the tone has changed so much. It's not just low-key in its settings and its story, but it's not a joke either, this film. This one isn't about having fun. But once again, it knows what it is, really. Apart from those two bookending scenes throughout, the tone is very, very consistent. Really consistent, in fact. And you've got uh, Melina on her serious mission, Bond on his own mission, but kind of respecting her involvement. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, it, the tone was great for me. I love the tone of this film. And I do love the scale, like I mentioned beforehand, before I went into the, the cinema. I love the scale of it. Going from Moonraker to this, it's just amazing that you can do that. I think if every film was like Fiora's Eyes Only, I don't think the franchise would be as strong, as long-lasting. I'll be honest, if, if, if every film was like Fiora's Eyes Only, if every film was like Moonraker, I think people would get tired and I don't think the franchise would be as strong or as long-lasting. And that's what brings us to this point, and it's something that I think Math mentioned last week, that in the Bond franchise, there, there should be, and mostly there is, something for everyone. You can shift from film to film, from mission to mission, you can change the tone and get that variety. There are days when, you, you know, it's you, maybe a Sunday when you really want a Moonraker, escape, escapism, fun, but there are times when you want this kind of Bond film, this kind of... Uh, mission, these kind of locations, this kind of tone. And can you believe that these two are next to each other in the franchise, for your eyes only a Moonraker? It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. Complete hats off to producers, the writers, the directors, the second unit, everyone for just going with that, for believing in the franchise and believing that you can shift from one tone to the other and audiences will keep coming back. And, and whether fans came out of Moonraker not liking it or whether fans came out of Fear Eyes Only not quite as keen on it. It's strength. It's got strength in time because these, these are films that last a, uh, they last a long... Yeah, they, they last a long time. They are films that you can go back to. They bear repeat viewing. You can you go back decades later because they have their own sequences, because they have their own feel, because they have their own tone and their own soundtrack. Um, so that variety means you can pick you take your pick from what you want and that is something 
to be so celebrated about the, the James Bond franchise. And just then talking about moments, I'm probably all over the place in the way I'm analysing this film, but just since mentioning moments, we all anticipated climbing St Cyril's and how good that would be on the cinema. Just, just incredible. To get Bond climbing like that with that equipment and filmed so well. Again, a bit like the the skydiving fight at the start of Moonraker. The, cam- the cameramen are there as well for some of this. Obviously, you've got the up-closes of Roger, which, although you know he's not there, it's not a distraction at all. But when you've got all these actual uh, shots of climbers, stuntmen, dangling, hanging on, leaning over, hammering nails out perilously, and when Bond falls from that great height, and again, that use of sound, unscored, you just hear the wind sailing through and him dropping down the rope, the rope unravelling. It is absolutely agonising to watch an incredible filmmaking, another instance of when to use music and when not to use music. And even in St Cyril's, mostly unscored, once uh, they infiltrate and they've got these some pr- pretty good fist fights, actually, there's no music. It's, it's the sound of punches, it's the sound of kicks. And I think that kind of helps you know that this is serious, this is the climax and it builds up that tension that, you know, Gogol's arriving, Christatos needs to get this transaction done, but he's wary that Bond's come in, the fighting just builds that tension when there's no music in it in a really clever way. Um, and it's the same when Lo- um, sorry, when Columbo takes Bond on that mission to Christatos's smuggling. Great use of music and great use of silence. And obviously, the greatest example of that is how it... <laughs> oh, there are just so many moments in this film! when it leads to Bond sprinting up the steps whilst Locke skids round corners. Bond sprinting up steps. You hear his breath and Locke zooming round corners and it just builds up and up and up and it really is a literal climax of them getting to the top of this mountain, building up to one moment. And that moment just seems to be getting more and more famous for me, more and more famous maybe in the, in kind of for, the, for all fans where Bond, first of all, Roger Moore gets that an amazing stance, which I think is iconic, to shoot Locke through the windscreen. And then when it leads to him kicking uh, the car down, just an amazing moment. And once again, it fits with the tone. This is a serious tone that matches the film. Just brilliant. And, and Locke earns that death. Locke, he is a bad guy. He's involved in some horrible killings. He's involved in watching from a distance. He has this expressionless face. I mean, what he does to Liesel is absolutely brutal. And once again, shout out to Sid Child, who we had on the show. Getting run over by that that sand jeep is just absolutely brutal. And you hear every moment. Again, the music cuts in, builds up, but then you hear that thwack, that crunch. And it's just, it has such impact. And it all leads to you caring more about Locke's death. So you wanting Bond to avenge that moment and obviously what's happened to Ferrara and huge shout out to John Marino played um, Ferrara so well, so well and it's been so good to have him on the show um, and just the fondness of this film grows and grows when you hear the, the accounts of Marino and Sid Child and it's just, uh, it's great stuff. And yeah, th- those boogies, those little jeeps on the sand are incredible and it makes me think about I'm just dotting all over the place here. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm so sorry. But motorbikes in the snow. I remember in a ch- as a child, 
seeing motorbikes in the snow with these spikes inside that is incredible so exciting and then you've got the kind of the ingenuity of him putting the ski pole between the trees to clothesline one of them brilliant and can, can you believe that bond skis down a bobsled track and a motorcyclist chases him down it this is like historic stunt work which is absolutely breathtaking and pushing the envelope once again with stunts in what is really essentially a low-key film it is low-key and yet you get these amazing stunts throughout it doesn't have to be out of this world to have uh, george hopping stunts they've proved that in this film um i'm wary of going on but i'm I'll let another listener um, <laughs> record their thoughts and, and post them now because I'm I'm going overboard. But I, I just love this film so much. It's kind of, I'm sure it's top 10 worthy for me. And Moonraker might well be in that top 10 too. Completely uh, different tones, different adventures, but they just make me feel so excited, so happy. And um, I enjoy these kind of adventures so much. And it's been brilliant once again to see it on the big screen. I thought the music, the picture, the sound, sorry, the sound more than the music perhaps, the sound and the picture were absolutely brilliant on the on the big screen. And once again, proving how worthwhile it is to take a trip to the cinema to see these James Bonds on this uh, 60th year. Anyway, enough of me. I've, I think I've gone on blimey nearly 20 minutes. I apologise. But for your eyes only... What a film and what an experience. Even by myself, I absolutely loved that film. Bond! 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 He's there! That's in the Prime Minister. I'll get it, Dennis. Hello? Mr. Bond on the line, Prime Minister. Ah, Mr. Bond. I wanted to call you personally and to say how pleased we all are that your mission was a success. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Don't thank me, Mr. Bond. Your courage and resourcefulness are a credit to the nation. Dennis and I look forward to meeting you. Meanwhile, if there is anything I can do for you... Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Well, really, Mr. Bond. <laughs> I think we're having a little trouble with the line, madam. Yes, I can. Get on to it. 007. 007. <laughs> Bond. What's going on? Bond. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.